in three, two, one. Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today with me, a very special guest, Aaron Radel. Aaron, how are you doing today? Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we can reschedule. I have you and six others. Um, I'm, I'm narrowing that list down of the 20 that I had to reschedule for when I was on paternity leave and stuff. The last couple months have just been insane. So I'm feeling like I'm slowly climbing up the mountain. So I'm feeling better and better and better about my <laughs> my uh, my work ethic lately. Um, but we're going to go right into that first question for you there, Aaron. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? Well, I've been writing since high school. I mean, you know, singers sing, dancers dance, writers write. It's just what we do. That's fair. Yeah. I, I remember in eighth grade trying to cop out a homework and making up stories that I was, you know, someone, a little girl from Sweden or something like that. So I didn't could get out of homework. Uh, awesome. But in the last four years, I really knuckled down and focused on my work and uh, met some terrific professionals along the way of giving me some really great advice. So um, in earnest the last four years, but, you know, I just, I tell stories. It's what I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair. I mean, I had a couple of kids that, uh, I'm a teacher, so I had some kids that have done that years ago. And then now, you know, I'll see them as adults and a couple of them have become writers and authors. And one in particular, I was pretty proud of, because I was like, you had some amazing stories about why, you know, about why your homework wasn't done or, you know, yeah. things like that. And I said, I'm just glad to see that all that skill and all that time and energy actually, you know, went into something. So into yeah, a positive so, direction, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, what's funny that you mentioned that, because like, yeah, it's just, I, I remember, you know, um, yeah, I remember that, that student had a couple others. And I actually recently, my mom, ran into our old librarian and she was the one that got me into everything um in terms of fantasy sci-fi and the, like the recommendations she used to read to us or give to us as a kid just like i i was teasing my mom i said you see her and you tell her that she's ruined my bank account you know because now i have way too many books you know way too many things going yep. on on kindle and you know way too much uh <laughs> you know reading time on my hands but you know well, uh, let's just put it, if i could put it this way star wars came out when i was 12 Oh, nice. <laughs> and and D and D not long thereafter. Yeah, yeah. And and my mom would always scold me, Aaron. You live in a fantasy world. And then <laughs> finally, Lord of the Rings comes out. I mean, I have the old animated movies. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, classic. You know, you know, you see Hobbiton and you see the Shire, and I could show it. I said, Yeah, mom, I live in a fantasy world, and it looks here it is. <laughs> here it is. That's awesome. And this is where I am happy to be. Yeah, yeah. I always tease my mom because like she used to give me like, you know, like the Forgotten Realms books. So like mm -hmm. I would get I would get like, you know, all A's or something. She'd be like, all right, what do you want? My brother want a video game or something. I'm like, I want another book. So she's like, sure, I'll buy you two books. You know, so I was teasing her recently. And my wife was like, oh, man, like, you know, you spend this money on these books. And now I've been, you know, getting really savvy with the baby and stuff. So I'll get a lot of free or you know, reduced or I'll wait a lot or I'll wait till gift cards or something. But I told her I told them both. I was like, you know, I said, this is an investment, you know, all these books are an investment. It says, as soon as I start selling my own, even if they're just a little bit, I'm like, then the investment has paid off. So there you go. It's been that, the same I thing. That type of child every weekend at <laughs> Renaissance fairs, just That's in case awesome. that segues into something else. Boy, oh boy, do I meet that exact same child. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I'm actually working at a school now where it's like, like almost all the kids I would say either play some sort of game like, you know, D&D &D or fantasy or sci-fi on Steam or, 
you know, D and D or something like that. And I was just like, Oh, I'm home now. You know, like, I'm like, you're speaking my language, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah except really uh, cool. young ones, let me teach you a few things, <laughs> you know, you know, what, what's the t-shirt age and treachery will always overcome youth and skill. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Watch That's out fair. kiddos. We, 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 uh, Gramps have a few things for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. They asked me to run a game. I was like, I don't know if you want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not so much. Well, we'll go to number two there. What genre or genres do you currently write in and why? I have always written fantasy. It's just my heart and soul. Fantasy is romance or romantic in a way. What could have been, what we wish yeah. we could have created. Science fiction is freaking awesome and I've dabbled in it, but science fiction is always what might be. And yeah. in sometimes in a sardonic sense as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's much more easy to be dystopian in science fiction. Um, with fantasy, though, I don't just treat it as this, oh, la, 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 romantic universe. I get dark. I get psychological. And the neat thing about fantasy, you can rip a character apart. Absolutely shred him. Heal him. Kick him back in the game. He's still mentally really messed <laughs> up. But physically, he's okay. And, um, you know, one of uh, one of my editors, uh, uh, when I asked, should I push my work a little bit darker? I'm not really sure if I should, because I could. He said, oh, please. Oh, please. I really hope okay. that. I write action. I love action stories. My work mirrors, mirrors um, action stories from the 40s. Uh, mm. Dime novels, Penny Dreadfuls. Oh, nice. Um, I don't bog it down. I keep it, I keep it moving. I keep it quick paced, but still a really good story. And yet I'll take readers on a journey where I hope they've never been before. And my genre is just fantasy action. That's what I just love. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think old school of my friends and I were just discussing this because um, I'm, people keep asking me they're like can you do this can you do this and i'm like interviews have been hard lately because they're longer i'm like well i could do you know uh we, we talked had some talks about like you know 80s 70s 80s um you know like dragon slayer conan um Beastmaster, you know things like that and red sonia you know uh, lady hawk you know things like that so we were discussing a lot of those and it's funny like, you oh, should man. mention lady hawk stick a pin in that we'll come back to that in the interview oh, okay cool but yeah cool. Yeah, Actually, if just you got loved a really cool 80, magazine with that. If you loved 80s rock and roll, you can write fantasy action. It's yeah. it's just the way it goes. Yeah, no, that's, that's yep. totally true. <laughs> yep. You can definitely see that point. That's awesome. Yeah, kiddos, uh, so, if you don't love 80s rock and roll, try some out. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then get in the mood to write some fantasy action stories. It's like all that's on my playlist right now um, in terms of words with songs. Otherwise, I don't have anything really other than instrumentals. But yeah, get yeah. Into some of those scenes. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so for that third one, which is my favorite, is talking to people about actually the books they've created or the products that they've created. So what are your tales of Raven's Daughter books about and how did you come up with this idea? Well, uh, long and short, I've written a full length novel, Grey Warrior. And my editor on that was uh, Mr. Pat. Patrick Labruto, who's the former oh. senior editor of Doubleday and Bantam and Ace. And he was managing Conan when Bantam was publishing Conan. And he described my style as Hitchcock on Phil Dick's drugs. And for those <laughs> okay. of you who don't know who Philip K. Dick is, look it up. So my work went out to a major publisher who turned it down, not because the publisher didn't love it. The editor loved it. But she said it read too much like the Queen's Gambit. 
and she needed to buy the next Game of Thrones. So I work at Renaissance Festivals. My home base is the um, Pleasure Fair in Southern California. And oh, cool. uh, when I got the rejection, it was the third weekend of our show. It's a seven weekend show. And I saw five guys walking around as the Witcher that weekend. And I thought, you know, I can do that. And The Witcher started as short fiction, short stories. Yeah. I decided to work in the novella format. And again, circling back around to Ladyhawk, I took the Etienne Navarre character, Rutger Hauer's character, mm. the, the blonde with the, you know, the black armor and the big black horse. And I turned that around and I made it into my girl. And my art name, uh, I, I'm also an Celtic artist, hence the Celtic work behind me. This is actually one of my originals oh, uh, cool. that, I, that I put on a blankie. So I took the name Raven's Daughter, which just sounds cool. And yeah. I turned Etienne into my female lead. And I went uh, and my editor, uh, Pat, said he'd never seen anything come across his desk in 40 years of publishing that used the Basque mythology from mm. the northern part of Spain. Um, where they were never conquered, their culture evolved completely independently of uh, the uh, continental culture, the Latin culture, the Celtic culture. They speak Basque in the northern part of Spain. They don't speak Spanish. They speak Basque. So I borrowed from that mythology, mixed it together with a little bit of Shakespearean stuff, and then came up with my own world. And here we are with a wonderful novella series that reads like television episodes, because mm. what I was trying to do was recreate was to create a reading experience that mirrors today's streaming experience. Sometimes mm. you feel like binge watching. Cool. I've got the work for you. Sometimes you just want to do a little hours worth of a read. And that's where novellas, short fiction are really great. It's a yeah, trick yeah. To work in short fiction. It takes a discipline to get it right. But I think I nailed it. And the mm. reviews have just been good. And the adventures have just been really, really fun. No, that's awesome. I definitely mm -hmm. like those more now that I have a son because, like, I've been going through Anthony Ryan's like Pilgrimage of Swords, um, and I totally uh, Kraken's Two City of Songs, and yeah, they're I'm like I'm just I'm just eating up novellas lately, so that's awesome. Yep. I've been truly exactly. trying to figure out how people, you know, and I'm like I before I was like oh, I don't get how people do it. Now I'm like oh I get how people do that, you know, like <laughs> those are the kind of you know I've always loved novellas, but um like Sebastian um De Kessel and then um oh only blanking on the other guy's name who had a lot. Also but yeah, the uh, have... home for home for wayward children. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just feel like those are and, yeah, and I feel like those are really mention, good. Folks often mention the Green Mile. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, right. yep, 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 totally. yeah. Yeah, I try yeah. to keep it about twenty thousand words per story. But oh, what nice. I've done with Tales of the Raven's Daughter, there are six in the series, and they are if this were a new TV show, it would be season one. So mm. each novella is its own individual story, but they oh. build on one another and then conclude in the final one. Uh, also, when I was creating the series, when I was outlining everything um, on Disney Plus, they were showing Moon Knight, which is a fantastic series. But that also is an arc, a narrative arc told in six episodes. So I kind of combined that into my outlining. And uh, here we go. We have Tales of the Raven's Daughter. 
Oh, that's cool. I was just interested in that because I'm doing a Kindle Vela series, like Sword and Sorcery, like Fritz Lieber, um, Paul S. Kemp's Hammer and the Blade. I wanted like a lethal weapon duo set in a fantasy world with Mission Impossible like stakes and Mission Impossible. Um, I feel yeah. in a little bit of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Plus yeah, that, it's definitely been the thing. Yeah. That wonderful yeah, episodic cool. television vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. And then um, I'm trying to think. I remember with my friend and I were just discussing um. I can't believe I'm supposed to be having like a second Monday. Um, there were a couple other um really really good, you know. Um, we were talking about kind of like a Hawaii Five O vibe, like the original. Um, you know, I love the Magnum PI episodes. I used to watch them with my dad all the time. The original with Tom 18. Selleck and yeah, yeah eighteen. We're going, yeah, we're you going, know, we're going yeah. back to the eighties, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, again, when you can take that nice short uh, episodic work and yep. turn it into fiction. But I don't short people on the experience. It's really important in fantasy. Give them something they're not expecting, which is what I do with my world. Uh, and and we can that that's all into question four, I'm sure. Uh, but um, uh, give them something new. Give them something good. Hook it in a way that's uh, unique and original, and and keep it in a format that everyone can just enjoy or snack read or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I have recently, like, you know, give them something new, which I had recently talked to a couple different people. And it was interesting because we was reading an article a while back from another podcast and on their blog. And um, I kind of went the other route because I'm like, OK, I'm like, I actually because I don't want to do a lot of world building uh, and I want to focus on characters and, you know, kind of like the mysteries at times or you know yeah. what like the plot i'm like okay i'm gonna kind of because i have my own fantasy series with my books that i you know am more worried about that for the world but for this one i kind of flipped it so i just want to point out to the audience i flipped it and i'm trying to you know really go into your D D knowledge or your homebrew knowledge or your you know same thing like your sword and sorcery knowledge and i'm trying to almost like you know show you like you know most of this world but the things we're going to go and see are probably different um so it was a very interesting article about world building so i'm glad that you mentioned that because i know some people you know it's like if you have a little bit of time and because you know with a novella you have way more time than i do because my you know each episode for me is about two thousand words tops um yeah. you know and then each season's about about the novella so i feel like you know again you have to keep that episodic nature going. but it's interesting you know for you i think to you know have your pacing because i think your pacing and mine while similar are you know, there's just different things. And I do like the different mediums because, you know, there's a different type of storytelling. So even if you're being episodic, I just find it interesting lately how there's so many different ways to be episodic. It's kind of crazy. It's, it's, it's a it master of on the discipline. It's a master yeah, of a totally. discipline, but every writer, every one of you guys out there, practice your short fiction. Either write in a novella or write in a short story. It's amazing how short stories become backstories when you're building it into an overall novel. I've True, I've done yeah. that with my own novel work. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. With my novellas, I try and keep them about twenty thousand words, and that's on the short end of a novella. Uh, but again, they they keep that same pace. Yeah, I, my pesky novellas—they keep uh, snapping me and turning into novels. I'm like, you guys got to stop. <laughs> yeah, again, it's, it's a discipline. You got to, yeah. got to. Yeah, it, it's so easy to let yourself just meander, and. Yeah. That's very tempting, but yeah. that's why, and I always recommend this, writers, outline your work. It is so important to outline. I mean, writers at every single show I do, and they tell me they can't finish a novel, and I say, do you outline it? And they're like, um, and of course they haven't. 
and and some think it's going to restrict their creativity but it doesn't it, it it's this wonderful outline blueprint of yeah. where you need it to go it really keeps you on track uh yeah. when i was doing tales of the raven's daughter even though i was ready to start writing the first novella i did not allow myself to do that until i'd outlined all six mm. because then i knew where the overall narrative arc was going and your ending will always change your beginning happens every time or two or three times and um, once you have a really good idea of where you're going, then you know where to start. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep it going. You, you said a lot of things there. I'm like, I have to really think about that now. It's going to be a whole podcast. So, <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's why I, that's why I like to give lectures on how to craft, as well as you know uh, the cool places that you can go while you're crafting. But yeah, focus yeah. on your characters. Characters to the key. My work is incredibly character driven. Uh, Mr. Liberto said my work was one of the most character-driven pieces he'd ever read mm. in fantasy. I write about damaged people because they're just so much fun. When they're when they're normal, they're not necessarily healthy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. And let's work on that. Um, world building is fantastic. Magic systems are great, but a character is a product of those, and you've got to focus on your characters. They will lead you where the story needs to go. Um, Tales of the Raven's Daughter has a wonderful, bittersweet ending. The characters were just taking me there. I could have tried to force it to be a happy, happy ending, but it would have been just that, forced. Yeah. The ending's good, but it'll tug at your heartstrings just a little bit. Listen to your characters. They'll tell you where you need to go. Yeah, no, totally. I had some, you know, I was like uh, working on my first face novel. It's a, like a heist. Um but it's really about two friends and they end up unfortunately wanting two very different things. And then that split causes uh, that rift causes a lot of huge implications, not just for them, but for the entire region. Um, And then later on later, you know, like the world and things like that. But yeah, it was, uh, it was very hard because I had two characters in there that I really thought were in that book. And they were like, we're not in this book. Um, And then later on, these other two characters who are very similar came up to me or tapped me on the shoulder, like we're in this book. And I'm like, yeah. Wait a minute. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, so, the, but it was really just like the two characters I had originally, like great romance. And I don't know, I was just on a roll and I was like, okay, I like these two characters, but I still like the class of character and I needed them. So they changed a lot. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Like it was almost like they were, they were, they were basically two, you know, two different pairs of characters and their relationship totally turned, you know, totally different. And I'm like, I was very surprised that once I just let them go uh, where I went and actually I changed from a, I would say like a Arabic, um, like medieval setting to uh, almost like um, 17th century, like Russian, like Eastern European setting. That's and really some stuff just, yeah. yeah, some, it just wasn't, I'm a huge desert fan and I was writing a couple other things and that's like my favorite setting, but you know, stuff just wasn't working and the characters were like, no. And even the no, time of the year, it. yeah, the precipitation, just different things, you know? So yeah, I, I agree with you. If you, I got finally got out of my way and all of a sudden I was like, wow, I got something Yep. pretty unique and interesting so yeah my, I my girl is my girl is younger than my guy and um well i'm not making any judgments i mean you know my my beloved paul rado my husband i lost him a few years ago but he was oh, 17 years old at, uh, yeah I know. um he's always in my head though i always used to say paul i wish you <laughs> could just listen to what's going on in my head and of course now he does and um <laughs> i kind of feel him there but he was older than i was uh, mm. uh about a generation earlier um my girl and my guy are a generation apart 
And funny enough, I describe their relationship as sort of a workplace romance. Mm. They just have a really weird workplace in a yeah, yeah, yeah. world. Uh, but he's um, older and wants to retire and settle down. And she's the new hire, just discovering what she can do. And these two are very far apart. And that makes for a really interesting dynamic. Will they, won't yeah. they, won't they, won't they get together? I will not answer that because it's a huge spoiler. <laughs> But it does create that wonderful dramatic tension. And by the way, I've also created one of the best gender fluid characters ever based mm. on Puck from the Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, cool. Whenever you're creating any type of a character that's anyway um, a specialty type of a character, make the character the character. The fact that they are of a different world or a different point of view is secondary to them being a really awesome character. Just yeah, don't yeah. stick something in there for brownie points. That's what yep. bothers me a lot with uh, the way LGBTQ is often portrayed in uh, media. Uh, uh, books uh, can explain the character better, but make the character rock. Absolutely yeah, yeah. rock. And, and my character does because uh, my gender character will switch genders in the middle of sentences just to mess with you visually and definitely brings the snark. And you need moments like that to break up the dramatic tension. And uh, yeah, it, it all it's a it's quite a fun it's quite a fun dynamic that I've got going on in my world. Oh, awesome! I don't know if you saw in the podcast group somebody had asked about you know like oh I have this character and this and that and it was kind of the same thing you know where they they brought this up they're like is this a trope and I'm like well it depends on how you approach them like if you're just putting somebody in there you know, with special needs or LGBTQ or a woman, I, I always reference myself because, um, you know, I was listening to a podcast several years ago, I guess that was like 10, probably 10, 12 years ago. And I was listening to a podcast, I'm driving and then they're like, oh, look at your characters. And they were really talking about like chauvinistic male authors or, you know, points of view of writing. And they're like, look around, like how many of your characters are women? And I was like, well, I have these two. And then they're like, then the next question was, you know, well, you know, are those women secondary characters, you know, are they women of color or, and then it just kept going. And I was like, oh my God, I like really had to work on my writing because I know being a guy, you know, and particularly, you know, from my area or region or whatever, ethnicity, whatever culture. And I was like, dang, I was like, well, that's not what I want to write about, you know? And I was like, now it's like, I think it's really hard to find a, I don't write anything in a European setting, to be honest. I think that you could find some Vikings who are different in my world than maybe one other like European Vikings, trope or Vikings, whatever. Vikings come from Europe. Yeah. Just, well, I'm saying like European FYI. trope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm saying like European trope, you know what I mean? Um, fair enough. Fair enough. But Vikings but, come from Europe. But yeah, yeah but I'm saying like European right. trope, you know what I mean? Is like, the, but I, I don't have very many now because I went through such this, you know, conglomeration of processes where I was like, oh man. And then, you know, I, I teach social studies, I, you know, study different cultures. And I'm like, those are always the things that I really liked about fantasy or even sci-fi, you know, like the different, like Star Wars, you mentioned, you know, like the different planets and, you know, just the different peoples and cultures. So I, but I think again, you know, just to go off your things, it's been a thing recently that keeps coming up for me. is like, I think anything you do just to do it just to get like you said i like how you put it i wish that i had said it that way in the podcast Don't do it for brownie points. but yeah do you have to do it to it make works. the character yeah yeah no i totally agree it works. Yeah. Yep. it's just like students like readers are like students they you know like kids like kids will if you're bs to them they'll know and i always oh, tell people like yeah. readers readers are the same way you're they're gonna be like oh this person's just putting this in for brownie points and it's gonna totally throw them off and you know and, and throw off your story they'll so i totally see agree through the they'll see through the superficiality yep 
in a totally. microsecond. Yep. Make the characters real. My gender character is the herald of the world below. And oh, um, that's cool. uh, uh, you were asking, uh, what's my book about? So my quick pitch, and by the way, every, everybody practice your elevator pitch because yeah, I, was able, I was able to pounce on an editor at a recent convex, convention from a major imprint. I won't say which one. But boy, oh boy, am I glad that I practice this elevator pitch about a thousand times a day. Because when you pounce on a major editor, you never know when that's going to come in handy. Yeah, so yeah. Tales, Tales of the Raven's Daughter, my girl dies on page 13. Oh, nice. But 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 she gets better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I always deliver it. But what I've done in that moment is make you go, wait, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. My girl turns out to be a realm walker. She can walk between the world below and the world above. Now, she didn't know that until she died, but mm. now she's on an, a really nifty learning curve. And the whole Tales of the Raven's Daughter series, collection one, which reads like, you know, uh, the first season of a new TV episode or a new TV show, um, is her journey of discovery. So I created a brand new world. In fantasy, we have been to every castle and tavern and forest and tomb and every above world thing you can possibly imagine in, in fantasy. But I wanted to create something where I could just literally pull it out of a hat if I needed to. The world below is anything I want it to be at any time I want to be it. I want it to be that. I chose the Greek mythology model where there are fields where the heroes are and places cool. where wrong people are punished and I could just make it up on the fly, which means that my readers have never been there because it exists in my brain. Um, <laughs> I've got magenta landscapes. I've got mead halls. I've got this wonderful field of flowers uh, where um, the glow uh, on the flower petals um, uh, moves around like birds in flight. And where I drew inspiration from that in Los Angeles, we have a place called the Descanso Gardens. And every holiday, they do the Descanso Gardens at night. And they have this one field of electric tulips. They're all LED. It's a solid field of, field of these light-up LED tulips. Well, they put it on this awesome uh, computer random pattern so that mm. the glows on the LEDs are just dancing around. I'm thinking, cool. well, I can do that. Until yeah. the designated asshole of my series, and by the way, I write dickish characters very, very well, <laughs> uh, shows up and he makes all the flowers wither. And I I was taking my readers on this great journey until the jerk showed up. <laughs> and, and there you go. So you're able to create visuals as well as dramatic tension just by creating a brand new landscape where, you, where your readers have never been. Yeah. Oh, totally. Mm. Yeah. That's it's, interesting. It's a fun place to be. And and it takes a little work in fantasy to create something new. I'm I'm sorry to all everybody who loves the stuff in fantasy, but I don't do dragons, I don't do elves, I don't do gnomes, I don't do ogres, I don't do urban fantasy. And God bless everybody who does. But I write about people and I put them in a unique world. I want to bring something fresh and new, even if it's only in 20,000 words. And so I, that's why I kill my girl so quickly. Mm -hmm. It's her journey of discovery. But if she hadn't died so fast, she would never be on that journey of discovery. And yeah. then the world below becomes her landscape as well as the world above. 
and uh, she can uh, uh, make that transition. It makes for a fun storyline. Yeah, that's awesome. That's super cool. Where did you get that that idea from, you know, with her being like a realms walker and being able to do both? Again, I, I pulled from my Greek mythology when I was mm. in, gosh, when I was in middle school, the uh, local library was um, only about uh, about 100 feet from my middle school. Oh, wow. And I discovered a book on Greek mythology, you know, chowed that down really fast <laughs> and more and more and more. And it's a really neat premise because only gods can go to Olympus. The mortals oh, yeah, have yeah. To go somewhere. So again, and I just love Shakespeare. I mean, I was always in the Shakespeare festivals when I was in the drama class in high school. And then the Basque mythology as well, borrowing from their um, their pantheon of gods and goddesses. And I just took all those influences I loved mixed it with lady hawk uh and people if you haven't seen lady hawk yeah go do it <laughs> go see lady hawk uh it's matthew broderick ricker Hauer, michelle pfeiffer and i know that the score is electronic by vangelis but you know what it's the 80s just enjoy the <laughs> movie um but again that is a, a myth from that's a it's a fairy tale if you will from the basque region of navarre and so my girl is from Navra because just, oh, you know, cool. change a consonant here and there and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and bang, you got a whole new place, but it has its roots in a place that actually existed. So it's really fun when you can ground it with part of the European world that is not commonplace and then, and then just make it your own. Always try and make something your own. When everybody does one thing, do something else. When they zig, you zag. Yeah. And that's my style of writing. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I tend to tend to find the the not that I don't like typical elves, orcs, and things like that. My personal writing, I don't do that. I I if I do anything, I do a conglomeration. I got elves that actually have chloroplasts in their skin, um, and can and don't they don't have to eat or sleep. So I took some of those old tropes and then kind of turn them around a little bit. And that's actually why they are so attuned to nature, uh, is because they're part of nature not just you know whatever so but i tend to find that you know either want something changed now like that and something unique or i just don't want it at all um you know not that i won't read people's stories or whatever watch a movie you know with your you know typical uh fantasy tropes but i like somebody does something new now i feel like i've read so much the same old same old yeah i just want want something new want something different you know yeah in my novel gray warrior i started out with my uh my main character who's a guy and his father on a turret as a storm is coming in uh, at night. And and I put him through a very action-driven moment and then I get him inside. Technically, I did start with, it was a dark and stormy night. But, <laughs> but the way I had him act through it, my editor, again, uh, the guy's got 40 years in the industry, says, yeah, you pulled it off. You can do tropes as long as you find a fresh way to spin it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, totally. what you really have to look for is a fresh way to do it because that's what's going to engage and intrigue. Uh, again, when they zig you zag, find something that just doesn't quite work and make it work. And now you've got something fresh and brand new. Yeah. I actually just read an author who, uh, in their story, I, I had to reread it twice at one part, but he had actually inserted and started the story with the same um 
three witches from Shakespeare's play that shall not be named on here. Um, but I, but like the way that okay. he did it was so unique. And then I had to really reread it. And then I was like, is this really the same scene? And he actually had them just like come upon. Uh, and it was like, it was like an urban fantasy thing. So like that, the monster hunter essentially came onto the scene and I was like, that is like brilliant. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really funny. And then he's basically like, this is where this came from. And I was like, oh, well, well really I am good. a Celtic artist. I'm not sure why a Mac name won't be named on your show, but we do all know <laughs> what talking about. But yeah, make it fresh, make it new. Uh, take the same old stuff, just spin it in a way that you're not expecting to and let your characters guide you. They will every time if you just listen to them. Yeah, yeah. I said a friend two months spent on the fight, and he's like, I just I just let them go. And now we finish this book. I was like, there you go. That's a good way to do it right there. <laughs> he goes, I think I should have listened earlier. I was like, well, I think your wife tells you that a lot, too. So he's like, it's good to know that my wife and my characters are in the same boat. So that's fair. Um, so I'm just curious. So while you already answered part of this question, and now I kind of want to know how you did this. Uh, so in terms of planning out a certain number of books ahead of time, so um, so you knew where your story was going to go, but did you know it was going to be necessarily six books or or how did you no, pick the no, number? Actually, no, good question. I was thinking seven in the first place. Oh, interesting. But as I outlined them, I realized that five and six were redundant. Mm. Um, and so I just combined them into one mm. and, um, uh, and the journey of discovery on the characters, this is a really neat thing with my gender character. Um, my gender character turns out to be straight. I mm. did not know that until the very final book when my gender character names Odwin, by the way. And, um, uh, when my girl first meets Odwin, my girl has never died before and is mm. just a touch on the defensive. Go figure. That's fair. Yeah. And 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 I was so worried that um, that the LGBTQ community would think I was being pejorative, calling the character Odwin as in odd one. Mm. So I thought, let's just get that one out of the way. In the very first book, when my girl meets Odwin, and again, she's being a little defensive. She's never died before. Uh, she says that wouldn't be short for odd one, is it? Um, uh, it, it would certainly suit you. And Odwin I'm recording the audiobooks right now. Well, so much for manners. Well, first of all, I will love being odd. Odd is a perfectly wonderful state of being, and anyone else who thinks differently is a, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, a dead mortal. <laughs> now, get up. Your body isn't going anywhere. Later, <laughs> she apologizes for calling odd when odd. Uh, and and he, she, I don't use the pronoun they because it doesn't quite work in prose. It's just a teeny bit confusing when you read it. <laughs> Um, but in the sixth book, sure enough, Odwin has created such a wonderful relationship with my girl. He, as a he, is kind of into my girl. And there's a moment where they really share a good kiss. He doesn't do that much for either of them except a really good moment, but he's kind of into her. But when my character, the same character, presents as a female, I've got a couple of rogue gods floating around and they love picking her up and, and tossing her back and forth and doing lots of kisses. And she loves kissing the guys. And it occurred to me right then that gender character is absolutely straight. It's just in different inter iterations because Odwin is a yin yang, a living yin yang. And there's a lot of male female energy all throughout my books. And it's that um, I even borrowed, for example, Odwin is Puck from A Midsummer Night's Dream. Well, I borrowed Oberon 
Oberon and Titania and made him into my king of shadows and my raven queen, complete mm. with functional relationship. There's a constant struggle, complementary struggle, between the yin and the yang, the male and the female, all throughout the book with my girl and my guy, with the king of shadows, the raven queen, with Odwin in and of his self, herself. It really creates a neat dynamic that's an undertone. It, it, it It's not overt, but it's there if you look for it. And I just thought it was funny that my character in the very last book told me that he, she was straight. I, hmm. I didn't see it going that way, but that's how it turned yeah. out. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I know. Another, yeah. yeah, I just had another author tell me they're like, they thought their character survived. And then they were like, their character came to me after the last draft and said, I actually died in that last chapter. <laughs> and then all the readers uh, were devastated. I was like, oh. It's amazing I, I what they will tell you. But. I did that with a supporting character in my novel, Grey mm. Warrior. I had this one uh, uh, throwaway character sacrifice himself in, mm. you know, uh, to to save another character, and I realized he was just a red shirt. But then <laughs> it was a really great moment, so I had to pump him up, and I really felt terrible because um, throughout the first opening chapters, I started building up this character just a little bit more, knowing I was going to kill him. It was good, though, when he died, but I really felt bad. Dude, I'm only promoting you so I can ax you in the last chapter. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, My I friend, can get a little uh, evil from time to time. That's, yeah. that's a mark. <laughs> well, I was um, interviewing an author recently, and she goes, it's funny, she goes, we were interviewing, and she goes, it's funny how none of my characters have ever said, hey, I any of them that she killed, she goes, they never say, hey, I think I'm still alive. <laughs> she has to all just accept the fact that they're dead. And she goes, I think I need to think about that with myself. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I was like but makes good stories. So uh, so yeah, if you can be always, my maxim yeah. is always let your characters guide you. Yeah, Listen yeah, to absolutely. them. They will tell you what you need to know. And yeah, yeah. then your story will be the richer for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say, yeah, it really just depends on them. Um, that's great advice. So if you can meet one person from your books and go on an adventure with them, who would it be and why? My guy, Creston. Creston Duhalda, uh, and I spell it with the uh, umlaut over the A, uh, mm. uh, and uh, pulling, of course, a little bit of a Germanic type of a reference. Creston is a wonderful damaged character, but for one stupid mistake, he has now ruined the rest of his life. But when he was a younger guy, he kicked ass. And in fact, the next six series, the next series of six novellas I'm working on is Creston's backstory. Oh, Creston, cool. in my opinion, is way more interesting than my girl. My girl's my lead character. Um, and she was a former tavern mistress before she died. She didn't know she was born a realm walker. And okay, a little spoiler alert for the first book. Sorry, guys. Okay, tune out now. But Creston was also born a realm walker, but... Hmm. He was sort of manufactured by a goddess. He wasn't naturally oh, cool. in that way. Yeah. Again, I love twisting up the backstory. Creston is a really great character. Uh, and um, uh, I haven't really based him on any of the other characters in Lady Hawk or anything like that. Mm. Uh, but he was just intrepid and charming and a really good guy. He wound up to become captain of the Crimson Brigade, which was betrayed from within. And that was part of the stupid mistake that he made was to get retribution, which he obtained. But then what do you do? After revenge mm -hmm. is over, it's like Inigo Montoya. It's funny. 
now that I have the revenge, what do I would do with the rest of my life? Yeah. And so I borrowed that for Creston. Well, he's kind of stuck now. He's sort mm -hmm. of uh, the, the devil's butcher because that's, you know, part of selling your soul. What do you do yeah. after that? You get, yeah, what yeah. You, you get what you came for, but then, you know, you got a few more years kicking around. Uh, but uh, Creston is the character that I'd like to take an adventure with because um, he's definitely a world traveler. Definitely sounds like it'd be an adventure, that's for sure. <laughs> yep. That's what I write. I write action stories. I write adventures. I love epic novels. Fantasy romance is fine, too. But I'm an action writer, like stories from the 40s, like Penny Dreadfuls. That's the style I really feel uh, the most comfortable in. Throw in a dash of dark psychology, and that's me. So if you love action writing, you're going to love my stories. Oh, nice. I say, I definitely, it goes back to, you know, just write write what you love to read, you know, and I think that's exactly. always, I'm a huge Forgotten Realms fan. I love the, like, I, I'm a teacher. I, I don't do a lot of sex scenes. I don't do a lot of swearing, unless it's my urban fantasy. Nathaniel is a uh, ex-Marine, uh, or sorry, ex, uh, yeah, recon Marine, Special Forces, and uh, going through some stuff, so... Yep. A lot of people in his company tend to, uh, you know, stuff happens. So I always tell parents, I'm like, you're not going to want your kid to read that unless they're a little bit older. But my other, my fantasy, it's like, that's what, that's the kind of fantasy I like. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, definitely. Well, if I definitely may, write what Creston, you love. If I may, Creston also hears battlefield voices. That's what's how oh, I that's cool. describe the PTSD. Except that it's actually manufactured in his brain by another character who's trying to spare him the worst of what he could do if he was let off his chain. Mm. And so you don't discover that until the fifth book. So you think the guy just has PTSD, which is certainly something to be addressed, but it's a little bit more than that. I always take it one step further. And in fantasy, you have that um, type of world where you can do that kind of magical influence. So you can take yeah. psychology and add a dash of, add a dash of uh, spice to it. Uh, and so, again, that's why Creston is a really fantastic character. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, if you could have one magical power or skill that a character of yours has, which would it be and why? Um, oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to say I like my um, I like my girl in Tales of the Raven's Daughter. But again, my guy in uh, Grey Warrior, my male lead, his name is Travis. He's a battle mage and oh, his, cool. his world, his magical abilities is all set toward fighting. And in a way, uh, uh, and uh, just to pitch gray warrior uh, really quickly, two guys have got to make it work. And I don't make it easy because there's no story. If I make it easy, <laughs> uh, one guy's the sword that's Travis. One guy's the magic. His name is Roland. Travis mm. is a control freak. Roland is a drug addict. And that's how I mm. start the story. Uh, that's how I approached Lord of the Rings because um, uh, my character Travis was like the steward of Gondor. He served the head of the world in which we in which those characters live. And unfortunately, the magical head is a drug addict. So my character Travis has to take it all unto himself. But all his magic is geared toward battle readiness because, you know, I used to, when I was a little bit thinner... Uh, used to fight heavies in the SCA, so oh, I've cool. definitely got I've definitely got you know the the heart of a warrior if if not the body of one anymore. 
but um yeah uh uh that's that's the one i'd go for is i love that battle readiness because it can really get you far not as far yeah. as the high mages but you can kick some serious butt no oh, that's cool yeah, that's neat yep 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 so if you could visit one place that you've created which would it be and why that yeah. one in particular yeah that's a no-brainer the realm that's where i take my girl in tales of the raven's daughter because again it's anything i want it to be at any time i want it to be it in the fifth book uh we start with my girl in a mead hall now i don't say it's viking because vikings don't exist in my world but everybody knows darn well it's a viking mm -hmm. mead hall. and um a wonderful moment happens where my girl is starting to transition from being just a walker who can go between to someone who's becoming tethered to her world whether if she doesn't watch it, she's going to be there forever. She actually can taste the mead mm. where a mortal wouldn't be able to do that. And and the realm is just freaking cool. Uh, you can have gods and monsters in one moment. You can have uh, healing columns. Mind you, what, what do spirits need with healers? They're already dead. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I had to find some place for my characters to recover. The <laughs> realm is a freaking awesome place. And I only have just scratched the surface on what I can create with it. Well, that's cool. And I just have one question to go back up, um, you know, in terms yeah. of like her abilities as a realms walker. Um, now, like if she's on like her actual, like where she's from or her own plane or whatever, um, however you want to put it, um, does she, does those, do those powers carry over or is it like she's normal here and not there? Or I was just curious how you kind of went about the, the skills Absolutely. or the magic or, you know, things like that for her. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. When my girl dies, her natural ability is to walk between worlds. She meets the King of Shadows and the Raven Queen. They both offer her the chance to be their champion. She oh, chooses cool. the Raven Queen because she gets a better vibe. Why does the Raven Queen need a walker? Because the Raven Queen can see what's going on in the world above, but she can't influence it. She needs someone to go on the Mission Impossible tasks. And that's my girl. And so my girl gets outfitted by the Raven Queen, gets this really awesome dagger, throw it, and it's an automatic crit every single time. Oh, cool. If, if you are a realm walker in service to the Raven Queen, uh, I'm working on an RPG guide, actually. If you're not... Oh, you that's cool. You better have a darn high deck save because you'll like uh, uh, stab yourself <laughs> with a dagger. But um, it's the Raven Queen who can take my girl's body and reinfuse it with her spirit. And that actually becomes an issue in the later two novellas, the last two, when the King of Shadows wants to absolutely undermine my girl. You can kill a Realm Walker. You just prevent their spirit from being reinfused. But of course, the 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 matron, the ravens, the raven queen is going to be right there to patch her back up. So we got to distract. So does she die? Doesn't she die? Yeah, not going to answer that again. That's a spoiler. But her ability is to go between, and then uh, the gods below help guide her. Well, the uh, gods below there are two: the king of shadows, raven queen, Oberon, and Titania. And um, uh, Titania is the one who guides her to evolve into the character that she becomes yeah, that's really cool mm -hmm. sorry and i, I had it character -driven, oh. very character centered very character -driven. Yeah, yeah i say sorry i had that one as a, a caveat in my notes so i want to make sure i ask that i'm sure that yeah. Glad you did. 
Um, so for that last one, do you have any news, updates, promos, anything like that that you can share with us today? Yep. Um, anything absolutely. that you're working on? Yes, I'm working on the audiobooks. Um, uh, my work is available on Amazon and I'm going to upload it to Ingram Spark as a complete collection. I've sent oh, it out cool. to a few publishers. I'm hoping that they might pick up the bound collection, but I will do it as a single bound hardback. Um, oh, cool. but about half my readers are asking me for the audio version. Well, I'm here at the New York Renaissance Festival, shout out to New York, and I'll be here until the end of the show. Then I go down to Maryland and then I'll hit the World Fantasy Conference world fantasy convention on the way in kansas city Mm -hmm. i'm already booked and i do a full circuit of shows you can uh erinradoauthor.com and you'll you'll get my show schedule but the audiobooks are something everybody wants and sure enough my rv turns out to be a really nice recording studio yeah Yeah, i bought myself a really nice mic and i'm sitting here doing that and um that's the that's the uh uh, the current um, uh, project that's underway. Uh, and then next year, I'm hoping to do, like I said, that RPG guide. Um, I really would like to encourage um, fans to write fan fiction and fan artists to uh, draw inspiration from my work. And if they send me pictures uh, or um, illustrations, I can reproduce them for them, sell them at my shows, and then cool. give the artists like a, you know, a 70-30 cut. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to do that. I just haven't quite gotten those announcements yet. But um, I have a newsletter on my website. You can sign up for it. And um, I know you were going into social media. Everything is Aaron Rado author. And so whether I'm most active on Instagram, I like taking pictures of everybody I meet holding up a book. And then um, I do a little clip show and I post that onto Insta and TikTok. Uh, And then I I chronicle all my travels, things like that. yeah, I shouldn't really be taking pictures of the scenery while I'm driving a 24 foot RV. <laughs> That's fair. With with a Hyundai Tucson in tow, but <laughs> I did, and um, <laughs> you can see my little travel log. Uh, but uh, I've got a whole slew of shows next year, and I want to bring my work to major market Renaissance festivals where they let me jury in a little bit more easily because they don't have a lot of authors, fantasy writers. Your readers are at Ren Fairs. You're not going to find them at Comic-Cons. God bless Comic-Cons. And I've done, I did Comic-Con International in San Diego. And I did some major fan expos. But you're going to find your readers at Renaissance Festivals, SCA events, LARPing events, and SFF cons. That's oh, I didn't think of LARPing events. That's a good one. I, I actually didn't think of that. Because remember, you and I talked about the Renaissance Festivals. I said to my buddy, I was like, why have we not thought of that? We were always thinking of, you know, we're trying to think of new ideas. I was like, that was just silly of us. So yeah. I have not thought of LARPing because there's a huge event, actually. Um, but, well, I don't know how big it is, but they've been, you know, gaining momentum the last couple of years since the pandemic. So that's actually a really good idea. I had not considered that. So that's a good LARPers one. read. SCA people absolutely yeah. read. God love the SCA. I just, when I'm coming out here, I'm from Los Angeles, you know, so I, I did a whole schedule of shows and one of them was Penzik War. Huh, that was big. Uh, never been to Penzik. And even though on the day that I was showing, I showed for two days because the rest of the time it was raining and I sell books. Yeah, not a good combination there. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, 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 everybody in the SCA reads, whether they read my work or not is is always nice when they do, but they all read. So yeah, um, uh, look to get jury into um, these type of festivals if you can. 
and um, it's a really great marketplace. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're definitely, uh, we we talked about, um, well, you and I talked, discussed the one in Buffalo. Um, uh, I think it was the one in Buffalo. Um, I yes, forget, but thank you. Yeah, that one's on our list for next year. So um, yeah, I'm we're actually working that in our well. calendar. Well, yeah, it'd be I, might really just, fun. I might just start up a Kickstarter so I can get myself over to Glasgow for WorldCon. Um, yeah. and, and anyone who's not uh, aware, I know we're wrapping up soon. Anyone who's not aware of the SFF scene, you know, when Worldcon is out of North America, we hold a NASFIC, North American Science Fiction Convention. And um, next year it'll be in Buffalo. And then two weeks later, Worldcon will be in Glasgow, Scotland. I just saw somebody, else, I don't know if it was Dirk Ashton or somebody was just talking about um, booking uh, like flights and stuff for that. So I was like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> I yeah, did just see somebody's tweet or whatever. You got to book your shows well in advance. And yeah. uh, for those of you who want to try Ren Fairs, most Renaissance festivals will have a guest artist program. You can also mm -hmm. apply as a guest author. Ask if oh, they do cool. that. Where you can just show up for a week or two without the full investment in in a, a oh. eight or 12 week show. You just show up for a couple of weeks. And again, your your readers will be there. I promise you that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's actually really good to know because that was one of the things we discussed was like, you know, could we, you know, could we get to, you know, one, you know, like every weekend with like work and like my son and stuff like that. So that's actually really good to know. I'll have to uh, talk to my buddy about that as we're planning. That's really good information. Okay. The, cool. uh, well, York, yeah. really quick. The New York Renaissance Festival is owned by Bristol Fairs, who owns the Bristol Show in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And then our mm. show, the uh, uh, original Renaissance Pleasure Fair in um, in Los Angeles. And they have a very well-established guest artist program. And mm. so just dip your toe in for a couple of weeks and yeah, yeah. With folks. Oh, yeah, that's super cool. Mm -hmm. well, that's very helpful information. I appreciate that. I'm going to write that down Likewise. in my notes for later. You bet. Um, well, thank you so much, Aaron. I just want to remind our audience real quick, though, again, in the description, um, we're just going to constantly be talking about it underneath here. Um, or if you're listening, you know, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of our 12 other, you know, audio stations, rss.com, uh, you know, we just want to make sure that you guys are going to the description, checking out our author links, um, things like that, um, especially, you know, the main one's always going to be either their main website, if they have one, um, or if you go underneath, like Amazon, but either wherever you can get the most information that's gonna be the first link there so please make sure you guys check those out um by this time our new website will be up um and very soon we'll have parking lots um for alumni guests of the show um where anybody that has chosen to have a parking lot you can actually just go there and then browse their couple of their books um book covers um have descriptions uh that the authors have written themselves or the artists um directors things like that and you can actually go there it'd be like a little one-stop shop uh but again it's gonna be the same links that the authors give us in the description so please make sure you're doing that and um for any products such as aaron's books or you know audible books or audiobooks um please make sure you guys are reviewing wherever those are sold because that's going to be the way that you know everybody you know gets more of the income back and is able to produce more things for you so please make sure you're doing that aaron thank you so much it was a pleasure Thanks. really glad that we could get you in today and you know or a little bit earlier in the season too which is really nice so um but yeah anytime you want to come back just let me know and we'll get you on the schedule as soon as possible and get it figured out for you thank you so much it was a pleasure being here yeah you too hopefully you know in the next summer at least i'll see you you know over on the other side of my state so i look forward to that hopefully we'll have a booth next to each other and can chit chat and stuff so that'll, that'll be, be great awesome. that'll be absolutely yeah. great Cool. Well, you have a good rest of the day, Aaron, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye. See you.